Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Well, it is great, absolutely great to be back with you. It's interesting, as I was preparing uh, for this message and started to write it, one word kept coming to, to mind, and the word was wow. And I, and I was thinking, well, that worship service was wow. Um, just that great time of worship. That message last week, how many of you either were here or saw it online? Uh, about Yahweh. I, it was phenomenal. Even the beginning part of his message, as Pastor John shared with you his connections with you as a church, it just it, that was just unbelievable. And I thought, I actually was thinking today that maybe I'm going to try, those of you that saw the message, you'll get this, I'm going to try to convince Ellen that my snoring is away. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe she won't poke me, you know? So anyways, I probably shouldn't have gone there, shouldn't have I? Um, but, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking my assignment this week is to finish the book of Acts, and, and I was to cover chapters 26 through 28. And, and I, you know, and I was struck with this, wow, as you're looking at the book, what, you know, what part do I pull? What part do we talk about? And, and, and what does it mean? Um, just the thought of the book of Acts itself. Um, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of who we are. It, it's, it's the first 30 years of recorded history of the Christian church. And, and, and so it's our family's beginning. It's this rich history. Um, it's a pure example of what the church is that God intended for you and me to be. We're invited into that. We're called into that. It's important to note there's not an ending to Acts. There's only a beginning and then it's multiple accounts of what God was doing and is doing and wants to do and wants to duplicate through us to continue to reach the world. It's also important to note the underlying theme of the book of Acts. It's, it's about the church. It's important for us to understand that we, I as an individual, I'm not the church. We are the church. Each one of us is a living, vital part of the church. We're invited to be an essential part, a part that's working, a part that's involved, a part that's serving and living and alive. You see, the church is alive when, when we allow the Holy Spirit free reign of our lives, when we, when we surrender ourselves to Him. And just as they recorded in Acts, He wants to do in your and my life. The author... Uh, Dr. Luke, I call him Dr. Luke. He was uh, Luke. He was a, a physician, and uh, his record it stops in chapter 28. What he's recording, and in chapter 28, verse 28, he writes. So I want you to know. 
that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles and they will accept it. Paul's, uh, you know, is, is uh, saying this. And uh, there is no verse 29 in the New Living Translation, if you notice that. Uh, the New Living Translation only, only uses the original early manuscripts and so some of the uh, later man, uh, writings that had verse 29, they don't put it in there. So it goes right to verse 30. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. We go, well, why didn't he tell us what happened to Paul? But I, but I just, you know, when you read that, you go, I, 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 as I read it again, I just thought, wow. You know, it, it, it's you and I again. We're right here today. We're hearing this same message, the same salvation message that Paul was preaching. I love that thought that I'm just a continuation of that taking place in our lives. And so it's offered to us again today. I don't care whether you're the youngest child here or you're the oldest person here, whether you're here, whether you're watching, whatever that is. I, I, if you don't know about this salvation from God, boldly, very boldly, I want to tell you, our Lord Jesus Christ is alive today. He's alive. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he offers each one of us the opportunity to live in the kingdom of God here right now which is his family. It is his church and it's taking place today. It's not just something that happened in the past, but it's here. I could spend the time today focusing on the big picture of those last three chapters, Paul on trial, his appeal to Caesar, the great shipwreck story. They're phenomenal. They're, they're phenomenal stories. Read it. I wish I had the time to go into a little more of the history of the way Paul addresses them, but that, that would have to be a, another time. If you haven't read it, please read those last three chapters because they're, they're, it's, it's great it's great history uh, recording. It's great story writing, if you will. But I hope you'll forgive my digression a bit. I'd like us to take a step back and realize what those last three chapters signify to us as we take a little bit look at a bigger picture. Acts is about the church being played out through the ordinary people like you and me. Um, we, who They made up the church and, and because they were fully surrendered to him. And I, and, and I want us to think about that. And there's, there's three takeaways that I want us to get out of this when we think about it. It all ties together from the first chapter to the last chapter. First is the history. Second is the message. And then finally the results. Why the history? Um, every time I preach and I go into history, Ellen goes, oh no, just get over this. But she, she always gives me a hard time about it. But, but I think it, it's, it, it's to discover the, this preserved truth that, that we can trust and we can rely on. I think it's important. The, the book of Acts actually took place 
It's been verified. It's been recorded. So first from the historian aspect, Dr. Luke is a historian. If you like history and you read, you realize that he has been, by some of the renowned world historians, recognized as one of the greatest historians of all times. In fact, I know of one historian that was world-renowned that set out to prove Luke wrong, went into the archaeological findings, went into the other historical writings outside, and accepted Christ and became a Christian because he realized that he was truth. As for the Bible being truth, I, I talk about this often. The, you know, the average classical writer, what you and I studied in school, had at least a 500 gap between the writings of their originals and the writings that we actually have. Um, uh, so Tacitus' history it was written in 100 A.D. It's a historical, of, if you like that type of history. Uh, but there's only two manuscripts available. One dates 800 A.D. and one dates 1000 A.D. The original New Testament manuscripts that have been recovered date approximately 100 to 250 A.D. So basically 29 to 100 to 150 years after it actually happened. By, over, by 2012, over 5,800 copies of actually Greek copies of the New Testament have been found. Over 10,000 Latin, uh, Latin New Testaments have been located. Uh, when they look at it, they say there's over 25,000 handwritten copies of the New Testament that have been recovered. There's a quote uh, by those uh, people doing that research. They say every decade and virtually every year, new manuscripts are discovered. Meanwhile, the average classical author's writings, that's what we often study and read in school, are found in about 20 extant, which means still existing, manuscripts. I'm done with the history, dear. Second, history from a spiritual standpoint. Understand Luke's intent in the writing of this. He wrote Luke. It was about Jesus, our Messiah, from birth to resurrection. And now he turns to Acts where Jesus at the end of the Gospels commissions the disciples. And he takes up this recording that what Jesus told them to do was going to happen. And so we look at that. The recording of this second covenant is what Acts is all about. Um, it, it, it's from a people set aside in the Old Testament, um, as set aside as a group of people through the first covenant to the spiritual church of spirit-filled believers. You and I, uh, this second covenant that he records here in Acts. Now notice, Acts is not a novel. There, there, there's not a beginning, there's not a plot, there's not an ending. Acts is the historical introduction of Christianity. Understand that. The power of the risen Christ that is freely given and freely received when prayed for. This is the kingdom of God that Jesus taught about on earth that you and I are a part of us. I love it. I've said it. I probably have said it here. I love what Josh McDowell says. Christianity is not religion. Religion is humans trying to work their way to God through good works. Christianity is God coming to men and women through Jesus Christ. 
This is detailed in the very beginning of Acts, chapter 1, verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Now, understand the author, Luke here, he would have talked to actual people that knew Jesus. He would have talked to them and proved it. He just didn't record all of the different people he talked to. He wouldn't have said that if he wouldn't have known that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Notice, notice humanness here. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And then he brings them right back on track. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What I want you to note is that that's the purpose that, that Dr. Luke has in recording this is to prove what Jesus said. And so what we know, he wanted us to know that what Jesus said always comes true. And in Acts 28, what we just read, Paul had arrived at Rome. What you got to note is in historically at that time, Rome was considered the end of the earth. Thus, Paul stops his writing. He proved what Jesus said in chapter 1 took place in chapter 28. So, so understand that in what it takes place. But we know it's not the end. And so, in a sense, Acts continues on. As we accept Christ, he continue, Acts continues on in your life, continues on in my life. But together as the church, the church continues on and is alive today. So historically, the church starts as the praying church. We see that in chapter 1. He tells them to wait. And then in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, it's the powerful church. It's empowered. And in Christ, we are the pure church. It reads about that in chapter 4, verse 32, where it said, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them. These are the three essential descriptions when lived by the church will impact their community. That's what you do. You share what you have and you're in the feed as children. You're out there in your community doing those things. Keep it up. Because in that we share Christ in a way that that person out there may not understand anything about Jesus or God, but they get Christ by as we give to them. So, 
We can be the persecuted church. We see that. Just starting in chapter 5, as they started to grow, they become, they become persecuted in multiple counts. But you notice that they considered it an honor to be persecuted for Christ. And what Satan meant for harm, God used for church, used for good, because they became a penetrating church. Taking their message of good news past their communities to the Gentiles and beyond as Saul persecutes the church. Noted there in chapter 8, it scatters the believers out of Jerusalem into new areas. We're also to be a preserving church. They met opposition on their missionary journeys and, and we read about those at opposition in chapters 15 and beyond. You see, the history takeaway, this, this first part of history, who the writer was and, and the historical part of, of, of really looking at the recording of Acts, the truth. Dr. Luke writes about the Acts of the Apostles, their work as it's starting the church, this kingdom of God on earth. It's the beginning of our being included as Gentiles. Every time you read Acts, you've got to think, that's me. That's who Peter went to. That's who Paul went to. That's who I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my spiritual great, 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 whatever they were. It, sometimes it'd be neat to know that, of, of how we come to Christ. And, and it originated from one of them. I am that because of them. It's the spreading of the good news to the ends of the earth. Those are all proven historical facts. It's not a story. Yes, it's a story and it reads like stories, but let us never walk away from this book has been validated. It is historical proof. It is historical evidence that Jesus lived. It's historical evidence of how the church was started and we want to hold that. Remember this. There is history. There is no end to Acts. We are part of the ongoing story. Remember that. We're the church. We're empowered to persevere. I don't know if you're familiar with the Joshua Project of Yarn. You can Google it. Uh, but they, they're tracking, reaching the world for Christ now. You can actually see where, where we're going. Do you know there's over 7,400 people groups yet to translate the Bible into so they can have the same privilege that you and I have. I know that I know that there are some places, even where we are as the Church of the Nazarene, where they'll take a Bible and tear out a page and each person gets one page of the Bible. That's all they get because there is no other to read. I've heard of them eating it because they wanted it inside them. They wanted to know uh, the Word of God. There's 3.5 billion people that don't yet have the privilege that you and I have. About 42% of the world population and there's a lot more to say, but I can't. I got to keep moving. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to run into trouble. Let's take a look at the message of Acts. So we looked at the history, but I want us to get a picture of the message of Acts. And, and it's important for us to be a preserving church. 
We need to preserve this message. And what we preserve is twofold. There, there is two part of, parts of it. First, salvation. And listen, from the earliest days uh, to today, there's a constant bombardment of human interest always wanting to personalize everything. And it's the same goes for Christianity. Someone is always trying to make it more difficult, more about what they say because they want it to focus on their leadership than Jesus Christ alone. Dr. Luke records preserving its simplicity and focus. He writes about that in chapter 15, verse 4. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees, that's the good Christians then, stood up and insisted that Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers and sisters, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they would hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinguish between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Note this, it's not our rules that save us. Listen, some of us were indoctrinated into Christianity, even by well-meaning people, through the means of religion, I say rules, not by the undeserving grace of Jesus Christ. We don't have the rules. Rules don't save us. Yes, Scripture is very clear about how we should live. And, uh, and, and, and so when we receive Christ, we, we often struggle as we grow in our grace. The second part of the message of hope is that salvation, this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, leads us into that experiencing that message that they write about, about sanct- being sanctified, entirely sanctified. And we go, well, what in the world does that mean? But it means fully surrendered to Christ. I'm fully all in. My life centers around him. I'm his. He is mine. Just, just like I go from engagement. It was a lot of years ago. I, I, I gave Ellen a ring. I, wanted, I, I picked her out, waited till she grew up, and then I decided I, was a, I, I wanted to be engaged. I, I wanted her to marry me. And, and that, that was a great step. That's like being saved. You know, you're, you're connected. And, and, but then at some point, you stand in front of a preacher or you stand in front of a justice of the peace or, or someone that's authorized, and what do we do? We fully commit to that person for the rest of our lives. Really, when I think of salvation, I think of that story. I, I, love, um, I, I love the Apostle Paul when he was preaching to the church of Antioch. And, and I, and I got to watch my time, but I got to do this because it's important for us. Um, chapter 13 in verse 17, I, he gives us this picture that I think kind of gives us a picture of what we're like as Christians. And, and, and it has nothing. He was speaking to them about being saved. He said, the, in verse 17, the God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. 
Then with a powerful arm, he, he led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. So, so here, and I was reading this, I was thinking, well, that's the way we live. With a powerful arm, he led them out of his slavery. God saves us from ourselves, doesn't he? He, he really does. He, he, we don't do it. He does it. It's, it's with his powerful arm. He says he puts up with them for 40 years of wandering in wilderness because they refused to follow him into the promised land when they first arrived there. You know, that's the way we always, we accept Christ and then we go struggling through life, moaning and groaning, trying to work and, and, uh, and we find ourselves and we, we accept him but we fail to fully trust him. Verse 19, then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave them their land to Israel as an inheritance. You know, when we fully surrender to God, he does the work. There isn't anything you and I have to do but surrender. And what an amazing difference it makes when everything is yes, Lord. You know, it's just like when Ellen tells me to do something. Yes, Ellen. You know, it's just, it, it's just one of those things. I married her to do what she tells me. And, that, and, and when I accept Christ, I, 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 I'm all in. That's what I want. Full surrender. That's what he wants to do in your life. Full surrender to trust and to follow him. The final takeaway, the result, our choice. You see, we need to consider the result of Acts, as it's lived out in my own life. We do as a church, your pastor, your leadership does. They do a phenomenal job, and you're willing partners in it. Thank you very much. We're called to be, finally, the prevailing church. We need to take heart what the Lord told Paul after he created that uproar with the high, with the high council and had to be rescued by the soldiers. Um, in chapter 23, verse 11, that night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. You see, as long as God has us living, each one of us, be encouraged. He has a purpose for you. Will you pray with me? Father, quickly, we just stepped back and we've looked at Acts and, and, and been reminded of your power. You empower us. You call us. You deliver us. You take us Sometimes where we don't want to go, but when we trust you, we find that that was the best thing that could have ever happened to your honor and to your glory. And now, Lord, for the last couple of minutes here, as we're together, will you speak into our hearts? To each one of us, we're the church, but each one of us is this vital part. And Lord, we open our hearts to hear from you. In your name we pray, amen.
Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.